a big fan of, I can't say I've never done it. I'm not a big fan of reading the end of the book, seeing how it ends, and then start reading the book. But I, I, and so here I do want to do what you know, may look like an outline or just cover a few things before we get into the verses instead of doing it at the end and saying, so what we saw, I kind of want to get our hearts and minds lined up to what the Lord wants us to hear and see tonight. So two takeaways I want to I give us tonight. These are the two takeaways I hope you walk away with here and that the Lord touches your heart. To trust the Lord and his promises, and then the, which is probably the most important. And then it, remember, it's all about God and not about us. That's got to be a takeaway that we carry with ourselves, not just tonight when we walk away, but our whole life. It really should be that. And we're going to talk about this and, you know, we're going to uh, point out the Israel's, uh, Israel's lack of some of that at times. And then we're going to maybe dabble into maybe our lack of doing that a little bit and see where things line up. Make sense? All right. So quick overview. In, in the first half, I'm just doing the first half of chapter 9. Basically, Moses is talking to this new generation. So remember, the, the old generation, the parents, had to wander around for 40 years because they were at the starting line ready to get into the promised land, and they balked. We're scared. Remember, we're scared. The spies came back. We're scared. Uh, they're too big. Uh, God doesn't, not only does God not love us, but he hates us. So now that generation had to wander, and they've all died off, and now we've got their kids. And they're getting the same talk from Moses. And so um, Moses uh, finds himself, like I was saying, Moses finds himself in a very familiar, that was a tough word, familiar spot where, like I said, he, he was doing this with their parents, and now he's doing it with the kids and reminding them. You know, he's, he, as we go through the verses, uh, you're going to see that we're going to hear time and time and time again that uh, Moses is telling them with a resounding warning, it's not about you. One of our takeaways, it's not about you. It's not anything you've done. It's not anything that uh, you're great at. I'm not, he's not patting them on the back. He's, he's basically saying two things. The big takeaway is God's bringing them into the promised land first and foremost because God keeps his promises. He, when he makes promise, he keeps it. And remember, God made a promise to their forefathers, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that 400 years from now, a bunch of generations, your, your offspring's going to uh, get into this promised land. And so God keeps his promises. That's, that's, that's first and foremost. And uh, he assures them of the victory uh, because God also, his, his, God's uh, sights are focused on the Canaanites and the nations that are in the promised land. The super, super wicked, wicked, wicked place uh, as far as uh, their conduct on a day-to-day -day basis. And... Uh, so God's going to bring his justice. It had nothing to do with their own merit, but it was God's justice that uh, was aimed at the enemies that were going to allow them to take that promised land. And so to make it evident that no one had any reason to boast, uh, he he's going to remind them, and we'll see this, he's reminding them of their faults. A lot of their parents' stuff that he's putting on them of, uh, you know, you didn't do this and you didn't do that, and remember you didn't do this, remember do that. He's reminding them all that as they're st at the starting gate. And so God's telling them again and again and again in all kinds of different directions, it's not about you or anything you've done. So don't even go there. Make sense? And so this, it's an interesting kind of harsh lecture kind of, if you want to call that, where God is, is telling the people that he's not giving them the promised land as a reward. 
And so I think sometimes we need this type of lecture too. I think we can get caught up on our own hype, think we're so cool. Check out the prom my promised land blessing. And uh, we, we get in front of ourselves and we tend to leave God behind and not, not give him all the credit. Uh, you, you know, you got to remember, God, for, for any blessings, he may be rewarding you, and he may not. It, 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 it's not always, it's not real black and white that way. But God's working his plan. And if that plan includes a reward for you, great. It's not, it, basically, you don't want to uh, think of it as, man, life's going really good, so I must be doing really well. Or, man, I'm in a trial, I must be doing something against God. It's not that black and white. God has a big plan. Remember, he's playing that big chessboard? So there's, there's times when it just doesn't work. But either way, I, I want to share this with you about obedience. It's all about following God's obedience. And I, I wrote this down, and this is, have you ever seen the book, uh, like Driving for Dummies or whatever for dummies? This is obedience for dummies. This fits right down the road for me. Like, this totally makes sense. Our obedience is judged on how we obey what God has told us in his word. You see how that is? Our obedience is judged on how we obey. What God has told us in his word, not how life is treating us. And so our job is to obey God and let him work out the details. Make sense? So that's kind of an, an overview of what we're going to do. I'm going to break it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover one through three first, and we're going to break it up into a few and, and work our way through these scriptures. So if you'll... you'll uh, turn with me, we're at uh, Deuteronomy 9, and I'm going to cover verses 1, 2, and 3. You guys ready? I heard Michael the other day at men's breakfast talk about, uh, it's awesome, I could hear your pages. Michael was talking about, it's still awesome, to, because everybody uses their phones now. So you don't hear like before, yeah, yeah, and, and that's okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I remember, I remember John forever going, oh, I love hearing the word, the, 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 uh, pages turned, so I heard some pages. I was like, oh, Michael talked about that Wednesday. Sorry, coffee. Uh, back to this. All right, verses 1 through 3. So here, O Israel, you're crossing over the Jordan today to go and to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Great cities fortified to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you've heard it said, who can stand before the sons of the Anak? Know therefore today that it is the Lord your God who is crossing over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and he will subdue them before you so that you may drive them out and destroy them quickly just as the Lord had spoken to you. So, so Moses starts off telling them, hey, the, the people we're about to go up against, you know who they are. They are big, they're tough, they're strong. Uh, no one's been able to beat them. In, in, in the world's eyes, they're unbeatable. And, and like I said earlier, the Israel's super familiar with, with the Anakim. Uh, their, their parents just in the generation. Remember, the people that had to wander the generation before was 17 and younger were okay. God spared them. It was 18 and up that they had to, uh, I think it was 17, but either way, they, had to, uh, they, they were around. So you've got people in this group that uh, weren't babies when this stuff happened. They, they, a lot of them could probably remember what happened when their parents were at the starting gate. So they know about the, the uh, Anakim. And so the easiest way that I can, I can get you to think about this is think Goliath. You know, the story of David and Goliath. Think a whole nation of Goliaths. Drew actually pointed out when we, I was talking about this that I could have just said, see this right here? This is what they're looking at. But I'm not tall enough. 
I, I thought I had the rest, but yeah. And shoes, it was close, but yeah, not even close. Think, think Goliath, a whole bunch of Goliaths that they're going to go out, over. And so you remember back in chapter 1, and it happened to be the last time I was up here with you guys. In chapter 1, remember uh, Moses sent out 12 spies to go look and see what this looks like before the prior generation was going to go in. And uh, 10 of them came back, two were solid, and 10 of them came back with the, we can't do it, they're way too big, cities are fortified to the heavens, and uh, we need to go. Uh, I don't, we don't need to listen to God's promise. As a matter of fact, like I said earlier, God hates us, and he doesn't love us, and we got to go. Uh, so the 10 spies came back, and, and so now Moses is basically saying the same thing to the Israelites that the spies said earlier. But he's coming from a different direction. The ten spies, and they were evil, the ten spies wanted the Israelites to run away from God. Moses is saying, run to God. Run to God. Trust him. He keeps his promises. He always has. And with him with us, we can win this. So trust us. Or trust God, not us. And so uh, he was encouraging them and encouraging them that with God and God only could they win this battle. And without him... I love this math. Without God, they had less than a zero chance of winning this. Thank you. Thanks for the giggles. My, my kind of math. Less than zero. <laughs> no, I love it. So they had less than a zero chance of winning this. So guys, let's do this. And they're still there. They're trusting. This, this generation is ready to do this. So I wanted, uh, let's jump into verses 4, 5, and 6. And, and see what Moses tells us in these verses. So verse 4, Do not say in your heart when the Lord your God has driven them out before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has, bought, has brought me in to possess this land. But it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is dispossessing them before you. It is not for your righteousness or for your uprightness. If your, I'm sorry, the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess their land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God is driving them out before you. In order to confirm the oath which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Know then, it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God has given you this good land to possess. For you are a stubborn people. And so when I, I was reading this and I was studying it, you start to get deep in there. Moses tells the people three times, and I'll get into that. But uh, Moses, in verse 4, 5, and 6, tells them, not about you. It's not about you. And again, it's not about you. And uh, I think we've been taught as, as we learn from Scripture that when God emphasizes things like that, pay attention. Every word in the Bible, you pay attention. But when you see God emphasizing something, pay double attention. Like, all right, there, there's something serious here. And he's continuing to tell them it's not about you. Not about you. And so when I thought about that, I thought about a, a quick story. I'm not a big storyteller, but uh, before I knew, the, I knew who the Lord was growing up, uh, but uh, I wasn't following him by no means. And uh, I was a young man at the time, and a good friend of mine, Lisa's my wife, uh, husband-wife combo, uh, flew out to Maui. And uh, they came back, and we, hey, let's have dinner together. And we went to have dinner with them, and they break, they say, hey, we got something for you, Dave, and it's perfect for you. This just fits you. And they were so excited. And they break out this shirt they got in Maui. It's a nice, long sleeve shirt, like T-shirt, like, uh, like I'm going to show you. Not anything fancy, but I'm not anything fancy. Uh, and on the front of it, big white letters, it said, it's all about me. 
And man, I just so thought that was the coolest shirt ever. I'm like, yeah, baby, it's all about me. And so I wore that thing with pride. And, and a, a year or two came, went by, and I'm starting to get closer and closer to the Lord, and I'm starting to think about that shirt. And the good news is, there, I don't know, women, you may know this. There, there's, evidently, there's material that waits a couple years and then starts shrinking. I don't know what that's called, but it started to shrink out of nowhere, and so ended up, I wasn't wearing it, but I was starting to get convicted about it, like, what are you doing, and, I'm, and it, it started to hurt my heart that, man, people see me, that's my beacon of light is, it's all about me, and it kind of punched me in the face, and I was talking to my Lisa about it, and she came, I think it was right around Christmas time, and then she bought me a shirt, because I was talking about it, that said, it's not all about me. And in the back it says it's all about Jesus. And so that made me go, yeah, okay, so now my beacon is shining because my wife sees it. And it's not that old shirt that it was all about me. The new shirt, it's all about Christ, and it wasn't about me. And that was a lesson for me. And so when I, when I read this, it was like, man, I, that just came to mind. God put that right on my heart, and I was like, okay, I get it. So again, Moses tells them three times in verses 4 through 6 to don't even entertain the thought that you had any role here. It has nothing to do with your goodness because, in fact, you're no good. And he continues to tell them that all the way through. You aren't good, but my focus is on uh, the en your enemies in Canaan right now. That's where my wrath's headed, but don't think you don't deserve some of it. His grace and his mercy is why they're not getting any of it. Make sense? And so I want to touch uh, uh, verse 5 real quick again. Uh, the verse says, it's not for your righteousness or for your uprightness of your heart that you're going to possess their land, but it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God is driving them out before you. And so when the Israelites start to think about it, there are two things. They would be right in saying, yeah, man, those Canaanites are nasty people. They are bad, bad folks, not thinking about themselves. And that's where they would have been wrong when they're puffing their chest and saying we're God's chosen and that's the part they would be wrong at because they didn't deserve it either. You know, they've been a, a, a provoking, uh, unbelieving uh, people to God for many, many years. Many years. But God, again, God's grace and mercy is what kept them around. And so, uh, Scripture shows us that, the, you know, when we're talking about the Canaanites, Scripture shows us that in that time, the, the, the area of Canaanite, those nations were the most despicable. Uh, I, I, I read all about it, and I'm not going to go into all the bad, but just think of debauchery times a million. That's what they were doing in, in, in Canaan, and that's where God's focused on wiping them out. Make sense? And so again, in verse 6, he again tells them, and I, I, I don't want you to think that I'm uh, beating a dead horse or, or uh, uh, saying it too much because that's what God does with us. We're simpletons. I know a lot of you guys in here are super educated. I went to Texaco Tech. And so the, it, 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 when we, we're, we're really simple people and we're easy to forget. Whether it's our pride that gets in the way or we're just old or, or whatever, we forget things, especially important things. And we forget what's important to the Lord from time to time. And we need those reminders. Never, I can never have somebody tell me enough, especially the guys close to me and my wife, obviously. But man, when I'm stepping out of line or, or starting to do the, I'm putting that shirt on that's, that shrunk, uh, it's all about me. I got people around me that just are like, hey, dude, 
Get it right. It's not about you. Get it right. If you don't have somebody in your life like that, uh, find one. There's so many people in this church that would love to be that person. And there's so many people in this church that should be that person for somebody else. So find somebody that's going to keep you in line and, and take, pull that shirt off you and, and not let you wear it anymore. And so there, when I was saying that we need that reminder too, it's super hard to pull somebody or even a group of people out of conceit and pride. When they're believing their own hype and they think it's, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, it's super hard to pull them up out of that mindset. And, and, you know, they start bringing ideas in their own head that their good deeds are what are getting them this blessing. It's their deeds that are getting them that. And so I'm, I'm a studly guy for God because he keeps blessing me. So I'll keep, I, I think every time, almost a quid pro quo. Hey, man, if I don't speed today, maybe he'll buy me a new car. You know, one of those gigs or no road rage. Maybe I can get a new truck or a motorcycle or whatever it is. And so it, it's a dark and confusing place to be. It's not where you want to be when you're thinking it's about you. So understand that the Lord did not give them this land because of their righteousness. And know this, that if God used their righteousness as a measuring stick, they would have never been brought to the promised land. And, and as a matter of fact, God would have wiped them out years ago. You know, sometimes we'll, we do the same thing. We'll measure up, you know. Drew is this and that, but I'm not that. I'm better than Drew. And if he's going to heaven, shh, I got a first-class first plane ticket, man. I'm good. And when we start trying to measure up to each other, you're just asking for failure because all of us are broken. All of us are broken people that are in a desperate, desperate need of a Savior. And, and I think we've talked about that before. The Old Testament, New Testament, that's strictly pointing to how much we need Jesus. It is a, the, the uh, Old Testament is a foreshadow. The New Testament is here he is. This is what we need. And so everything's pointing back to Jesus and, and how much we need them. Right. So again, for us, just talking about Jesus, in, in Christ, we have both righteousness and strength. And we need to glorify him in all we do. Everything we do, we should glorify the Lord. Nothing is on our own. Nothing. And again, those are hard shoes. It's not, you know, I think as Christians, sometimes uh, we get in, especially believers, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, preface something with, uh, in all humbleness, or God be the glory. And then we immediately follow that up with, but guess what I did? Yeah, God be the glory, but <laughs> let me tell you what I hooked up. You know? and, and we start to pat ourselves on the back. And again, it's a scary place to be. We're broken and worthless on our own. It's all about Jesus. Make sense? I, I want to read a quote to you from C.S. Lewis. Uh, it, and the, if, if you read it fast, you're going to go, Dave, what is he saying? So read it slow. And when you read it slow, it starts to sink in. No creature that deserved redemption would need to be redeemed. They that are whole need not the physician. Christ died for men precisely because men are not worth dying for to make them worth it. So if you read that slow, it starts to go, ooh, that's deep. You know, when I, I, I read it, I was like, hmm, and then I read it again. And man, that, that makes so much sense. God does not bless us because we're righteous or good or deserving. God blesses us because he loves us. He blesses us because he wants the best for us. And the, you know, the only thing that you need to receive God's blessings, I would love to have people put their hand up, but I'll just throw it out. The only thing you need is to believe in him. And you're deserving of God's blessings. You will receive God's blessings. And then the second half of that is to confess to him 
that you need him. So believe in him and need him, and, and you will uh, be afforded those blessings from the Lord. Uh, again, not because he thinks you're cool or doing good things. So uh, check out what Paul says in Romans 10. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be up on the screen. But Romans uh, 10, verses 9 and 10. Check this out. So Paul says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, Verse 10, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So Paul's right on the money with what Moses had told the Israelites years and years and years and years prior. This is, this is where you're looking for your help. Not about you, about the Lord. And so Moses uh, started giving them some reasons. Again, we're talking in, in verse uh, 4, 5, and 6. He'd given them reasons why uh, God was going to give uh, the land to them and take it from uh, the Canaanites. And so a couple of the things is, when we start talking about idolaters, Lord, the Lord will, will absolutely be honored if you, when uh, these idolaters are wiped out, because they're thought of as God-haters. An idolater is a God-hater. And so he, is, he will absolutely be honored uh, when these Canaanites uh, get wiped out and the destruction of them. Uh, and, then, and then again, and he'll judge them. And also, the Lord's going to be glorified in keeping his promise to those who are in covenant with him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were in covenant with the Lord. He made a promise and he never hesitated. He never budged. He made the promise, and he, he kept to it. And so here's the thing. Uh, as we studied uh, the, the, in, in the coming weeks, and, and I don't want to be a, what's it called, spoiler alert? I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but I am going to tell you, in case you didn't know, this generation gets in. They enter the promised land eventually. So spoiler alert with that. And we, you know why we know this? Because there's not a Deuteronomy 2, a second Deuteronomy. There's not a de- third Deuteronomy. So that kind of clued it for me. Remember the scripture for dummies? I'm like, ah, oh, there's no second Deuteronomy. They've got to be getting in. And so, uh, again, uh, we know that, uh, the, that about the, uh, I'm sorry, in a nutshell, we don't need to brag or boast. That's what I wanted to tell you. We don't need to brag or boast because it was and still is God's plan, and not anything they or us today have done. It's all part of God's plan. Make sense? Obey God. Obey Him, obey Him, obey Him, regardless of your circumstances. Continue to obey Him and let Him work out the details. And be good with the details. Do it with a happy heart. Uh, Whether a trial comes on your way, be happy, be okay with that. And so I want to... Uh, jump down to 7. So let's cover 7 through 11 uh, next here. So uh, verse 7, remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you left the land of Egypt until you arrived at this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. And even at Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath. And the Lord was so angry with you that he would have destroyed you. And when I went up to the mount to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant, which the Lord had made with you. Then I remained on the mountain 40 days and nights. I neither neither ate bread nor drank water. Uh, The Lord gave me the two tablets of stone written by the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken with you at the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. 
And it came about at the end of the 40 days and nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. And so I'm going to stop at 11 because 12 talks about, jumps into, which kind of bleeds into 13. At 12, the Lord also says, here's the tablets, but you better get down there because guess what your people are doing right about now. And that's part of the, uh, you know, building the idol, the, the molten calf. But we're going to stop at 11. I think Michael's next week, and Michael will pick that up and, and uh, go into detail about that. And so verses 7 through 11 tell us that they, they, they basically, God didn't want them to have any preconceived notion to think that uh, God brought them to Canaan for their own righteousness. Moses here shows them what a miracle of mercy it was that they had not been destroyed in the wilderness because of their lack of trust and disobedience. And so in verse 7, verse 7 starts out with, uh, remember, you, remember, do not forget how you provoke the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. So Moses is telling Israel, hey Israel, you better wake up. Are you not remembering this stuff that's happened before? You are far from having earned God's favor. You've been a pain from the get-go. From the day you left Egypt, you have been a provoking God people. And so uh, time and time again, they're thinking that they're earning God's pleasure. And in fact, they were earning his displeasure. And we do that sometimes when we start to get in our own head and Again, get into that conceited, I've got this, man, things are good. I'm on cruise control. i got no trials. It's been a while. And uh, we just start to think, yeah, we own this. And, and, and in fact, we don't. And we've got to be cognizant of that. And so, uh, if, again, if, if, God, if God had dealt with their fathers according to their disbelief and lack in trust of God, this generation that we're talking about that's getting ready to go in, they wouldn't have even been born. God was going to wipe them, wipe them out. We'll get to that a little bit of that in Exodus. God wanted to wipe them all out. The second Aaron and, and the folks started uh, down the road, the Israelites were making this, this molten calf. Uh, God was going to wipe them all out there. And, and it was because of Moses. Moses jumped in and, and held on to that. But they surely wouldn't have been born, much less been waiting at the, at the starting gate to go into the uh, Holy Land. Uh, and so, uh, it, it, for us, uh, we, we sometimes forget about uh, how we provoke the Lord. And it's typically, you know, we get into this trial, and then the pain of the trial, we're on our way out, and the hurt or the pain or whatever it is, starts to fade, and then we forget that God pulled us through that last one. And then another trial comes up, and you're like, God, where are you? And you forget that he just pulled you out of one a couple of weeks ago. And that's usually because we get in our own way. We're, we, we try to immediately go into take care of it mode, handle it mode, fix it mode. And uh, so we absolutely have to be continuously reminded that it's not about us or our own righteousness. It's about the Lord. It's all about him. And so uh, check this out, what Paul had to say in Romans 3, uh, verses 19 and 20. I love this. So now, when, so ne- I'm sorry, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those that are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Verse 20, because of the, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so, yeah, those are, those are you know, words to, to live by for what Paul was uh, talking about. And the curse uh, which mankind is under is proof that we cannot be justified before God by our own works. It's exactly what Paul's teaching here. And so if our works condemn us, well, then they surely can't justify us. Make sense? 
We, we can't have it condemn us but think it's going to justify us. They, those, go, those don't work that way. They're never going to justify us. And then uh, I want to cover verse 8 one more, a little bit on here. So even at Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath, and the Lord was so angry with you that he would have destroyed you. So again, in, in, when they were at Horeb, and this was their, their parents, mom and dad, that were obviously blowing it with the Lord. They made this calf, and that was so heinous. Uh, you know, sin is sin. But this was so heinous, the fact that, that, uh, they had, that the mountain's still burning. They had just received verbally from the Lord, the law, and Moses made his way up the mountain to, to get it in writing. He's up there getting it in writing. The mountain's still burning in front of him. And Aaron, or, uh, the, the people of Israel said, hey, let's make a molten calf and, and, and pray to it and, and worship it. And they had just heard from God himself the first two commandments. Don't do that. Don't do that. And, and they're doing it as Moses is running up. So it was especially egregious that they were doing that right after they heard it. And so God was extremely angry with them for this. And uh, if you look at the verbiage, the verbiage in verse 3 about God uh, uh, coming as a consuming fire, the verse that he used in verse 3 about going after the Canaanites and going to destroy them, it's the same words that he used when he's telling Moses, I'm going to wipe out Aaron and, and all the rest of your families, uh, the Israelites, because of, of their sins towards us. Same verbiage. And so we have to look at that God, and, and, and t- you know, tell ourselves or, or understand that God's standard's the same, whether it's for his chosen people or the Canaanites who are an absolute abomination to him. His standard never changes. And so God chose uh, to show mercy on some as he does. Uh, but this, again, the standard never changes and they were all deserving of his wrath. Again, letting the Israelites know, guys, you're not that special. You're special, but you're still not that special. You're just the least of the special, if that makes sense. And, and so when we start thinking that God overlooked what they did and gave them Canaan because they were good and righteous, actually God had determined to destroy them and would have been just in doing so. But again, and I talked about Moses last time I was here. As a man, that guy's a stud. As a Bible man, flesh and bone, that guy was a stud, man. He just stayed the course. And Moses begged, prayed, and pleaded with the Lord to not wipe, it, wipe out the Israelites. Because if you know in Exodus, the Lord was going to wipe them all out and then have Moses take another tribe or another group of people and lead them. And, and Moses was able to, uh, you know, the, I, you be careful with the verbiage, but Moses was able to uh, convince the Lord that, that, uh, to give him another shot. And he did that. Moses is... Uh, loyalty and everything he showed he gave him a shot and that's what we need once we got jesus in our lives we got another shot and another shot and another shot make sense make sense you guys uh i'm gonna invite ryan up and uh worship team man that's awesome bunch of high schoolers just killing it up here and ryan kind of hard at 30 to be considered the old guy Hang in there, Ryan. And so as they're coming up, I want to do this. I want to, I want to, I love challenges. I need challenges in my life. It could be, uh, it could be that uh, I'm competitive, but I love challenges. So here's my challenge for the, the church, all of us. Uh, I, want, I want to check our hearts. I want you to sit down in a quiet spot, get with the Lord, and check your hearts in regard to your pride. 
Where's your pride at? And honestly ask yourself, honestly ask, ask yourself, which shirt are you wearing? It's all about me or it's, it's not all about me and all about our Lord. If you're wearing the other shirt, it needs to start shrinking and wear the, the, the one that is all about the Lord. We're broken and hopeless without him. And he's our only hope, so wear the shirt that represents him. Be that beacon and that light to him and others in all parts of your life. Make sense? Man, thanks for, for being here tonight. It was awesome. I loved everything, uh, the music, and uh, it's cool being here on Saturday nights. I got about 1,700 months. 1,700. I got about 17 months, and then that gal back there sitting in that birdcage. Uh, no longer is going to 180, and you're going to start seeing me on Saturdays. I love Saturdays, man. We were Saturday nighters for a long time, and this is a cool group. You guys, uh, you guys know how to do it. So thank you for having me. Uh, if you will, you can pray with me, and uh, again, thanks for having me. Father, thank you so much for this evening, Father. Wow, it, it, it's just amazing, your word, and how we can dig deep into it and see where that fits in our life, Father. See where we're going wrong. See where our pride is taking over. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, as we leave here, we, we, like I said earlier, we wear that shirt that says it's not about me. We put our lives in the direction of you and make sure that you come first and you are our everything. So, Father, I, I pray that uh, as we leave here tonight, everybody has a, a fantastic weekend and that you can just put the love and the, only the love you can give us in our hearts to follow you and only you. It's in Jesus' precious name. Amen.